I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters six and seven of Eclipse, Switzerland and Unhappy Ending. I normally prefer a happy ending, but she's giving us an unhappy ending. As with last week, I'm smushing these two chapters together because they're, they're the same scene. They're the same scene. We have one chapter and then she starts a conversation with the character and then we have the conversation in the next chapter and then that's it. Is this a new trend? Are we on trend watch here? Because it seems to be happening quite a bit. So as you'll remember in the previous two chapters, she broke all the rules. She went against her boyfriend's wishes and she went and visited her friend, which is apparently a huge big no-no. And she saw Jacob and then Jacob just gave us some exposition surrounding how imprinting works. So sidebar that for later. So now we're going to have another chapter of some slight movement followed by character exposition. Before we get into it though, I do just want to say welcome to the new listeners and to the new Patreon listeners. Thank you so much for signing up. Every person who signs up on Patreon really supports the show, helps me get software and microphones and all that nonsense. So I really appreciate it. We're just starting Insurgent. It picks up straight after where we left with Divergent, but spoiler alert, her parents died in the final few chapters of Divergent. And now we're starting Insurgent and she's making out with Tobias and she's getting hot and heavy with Tobias, not a care in the world. And I was like, do do you not remember how your dad died yesterday? Even a stupid brother, he seems to be over it. He cried for like three seconds and now he's like, oh, well, better go read a book because he's from Erudite. So he likes to read books. Very confusing to me, but yeah, if you want to get in on that action, just go to patreon.com slash breaking down bad books and sign up for the bonus episodes. There's one new episode every week and it's $3 a month for access. So we start chapter six, Switzerland, and she's driving home from La Push and she's worried about Edward freaking out that she went and saw her friend. So she's just driving down the road, just living her life. And then out of nowhere, she tells us, The sun was glinting off a silver Volvo right on her tail. And she says, oh crap, I whimpered. And then she's freaking out being like, oh my God, do I pull over or do I keep driving? Because my stalker psycho boyfriend is following me. And she's on her way to Angela's house to to do whatever the hell that she's doing with her announcements. Don't even get me started. Don't get me started. And so she's freaking out about how this confrontation with Edward's going to go. And she thinks, oh my God, am I going to prolong it until later when Charlie's in the room? Because then maybe he won't yell at me as much. And she's tossing and turning about what to do. And he's trailing her. She said she could feel a burning hole in her mirror because there's this gaze coming at her from the silver Volvo. She hasn't even made it clear that it's Edward. She's writing it like it's a horror story that she's being chased by some sort of psychotic boyfriend, which she is. And so she gets to Angela's house and she pulls into Angela's house. And that's when the car finally like continues ahead and stops following her like uh, psycho behavior. And all she's thinking in her head is like, oh no, I'm in trouble. And it's like, what? This isn't normal. Your boyfriend is actively stalking you and making you feel anxious. How is this not the reddest of red flags? It's a crimson flag. It's a fire engine red flag. It's a maroon flag. But she ignores it. Well, she just 
puts it on pause and she's like, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. So she knocks on Angela's door and there's Ben. Ben opens the door and she's like, oh, um, hi, Ben. Uh, is Angela here? And it's like, yeah, it's Angela's house. Of course she's there. Ben's not going to be there if she's not there. And he's like, yeah, obviously. And he's like, Angela, Bella's here. And like, he walks Bella upstairs. And then Ben's mate picks him up because they're going to go see a movie. So Ben leaves and he's like, laters. And Angela's like, oh, thank you so much for coming, Bella. From the bottom of my heart, not only are you saving my hands from permanent injury, you also just spared me two long hours of plotless, badly dubbed martial arts films. (laughs) We're putting so much emphasis on these stupid graduation announcements. And it's like, bitch, send an Evite. Like, isn't this set in 2007? Email invitations were all the rage back then. Just send an invite. No one wants to come to your stupid graduation anyway. And of course, because Bella's a bitch, she's like, oh God, this is so amazing to just be caught up in Angela's easy human dramas. Oh, it's, it must be so nice to have a life that's not filled with supernatural beings. And it's just so carefree being human. And it's like, oh my God. Like it's so condescending. And also you're human too. Just because you're stupid a vampire doesn't make you any better than Angela. And then we just get a thrilling scene of them handwriting envelopes and things. Get a label maker. Why is she making this so hard on herself and on her friend Bella? Angela, what are you doing here, sis? At least print out a template or something and then just like hand sign it. Well, why, why is she doing this? And so Angela's trying to make small talk because obviously she's bored out of her brain and she's asking what Edward's doing. And she's like, oh, he's hiking with Emmett. And she's like, wow, you're so lucky that Edward has brothers for all of the hiking and camping. I don't know what I'd do if Ben didn't have his friend Austin for all that guy stuff. And she says, yeah, the outdoors thing is not really for me. Okay, well, I'm so glad Mike and Karen Newton hired you for their camping store. Their outdoor hiking store. I'm so glad they hired you, even though the outdoors thing isn't really for me. How is she a good staff member at that store? There's no way someone's coming in being like, oh, which hiking gear is best? Which backpack would you suggest? Because she doesn't know. She doesn't care. She would be useless. I can't imagine her being good at the upsell. I, I just can't. So Angela senses that there's this heap of anxiety rolling off of Bella because she just got stalked. And she's like, hey, Bells, what's going on here? You seem anxious. And she's like, what, me? (laughs) No way. And Angela's like, okay, bitch, look, I'll listen if you think it'll help. You don't have to tell me unless you want to, blah, blah, blah. And she's thinking, oh, I really couldn't discuss my problems with someone human. There are too many secrets I was bound to keep. That, uh, discussing them with a human is just against the rules. Bitch, you're human. They are not your rules that you have to obey. Sam told Jacob not to tell you about him being a werewolf, but you don't listen to Sam. He has no sway over you. Same with the Volturi. I mean, you're already in trouble with them. Like, just tell Angela. I mean, maybe don't tell Angela because she'll think you're crazy. But like... Stop putting that pressure on yourself. And also maybe talk around them being supernatural beings. She acts like it's so hard. Like, oh, no one will ever understand. Just be like, my boyfriend's crazy. He's a controlling, possessive freak and he doesn't like my bestie. Like, uh, uh, easy enough. And that is what she ends up doing after like a paragraph of toing and froing. And she's like, yeah, okay, Angela, you got me. Uh, I am anxious. It's about Edward. And all Angela does is say, what's wrong? (laughs) And Bella says, oh, it was so easy to talk to Angela. (laughs) She says, when she asked a question like that, I could tell that she wasn't just morbidly curious or looking for gossip like Jessica would have been. Like, okay, leave Jessica out of this. And she's like, oh, I could tell that she cares. All she did was say, what's wrong? Like, what's up? Like, (laughs) and Bella's just like, oh my God, that's so sweet of her to consider me. She's so perceptive. She's so kind. So she says, oh, Edward's mad at me. And she says, do you remember Jacob Black? And Angela's like, you mean that guy that was just like hanging outside of the school like three days ago? Yeah, I remember Jacob Black. We were all taking bets on who would win out of a fight, Edward or Jacob. Yeah, I remember your love triangle, Bella. And Angela says, oh yeah, so Edward's jealous. And she goes, no, no, Edward's not jealous. 
And um, I think he might be Bella. She's like, oh, Edward just thinks that Jacob is a bad influence. Sort of dangerous. You know how much trouble I got in a few months back. It's, it's just all that stuff. And Angela's like, bitch, that's not cutting it with me. It's jealousy. I bet he's jealous. And she says, it's not like that with me and Jacob. And Angela's like, yeah, maybe not for you, hon. But for Jacob, that's a different story. And she says, Edward's only human, Bella. He's going to react like any other boy. I mean, you and I, we know that Edward's not human. And also he is like 117 years old or something. So he should have a bit more maturity, but he doesn't because he just stalked her to Angela's property. And we're just acting like that never happened. And so then Angela changes the subject. (laughs) And Bella thinks, oh, it's because Angela doesn't want to pry. But Angela's probably thinking, hey, bitch, ask me a question. Ask me how I'm doing. And she even says, well, Bella, I, um, I got my dorm assignment yesterday. You know how Ben and I are going to uni together. And she's just like trying to bring it up, trying to engage in a conversation. And Bella's like, la da dee la da da just writing on envelopes, not a care in the world about anyone else. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to Alaska. <laughs> just really just back to herself. And also I was thinking about this. So the whole plan is to go to Alaska because it's like dark half of the year, right? What are they going to do the other half of the year? Like I've seen the proposal. It was daytime the whole time. Did we ever get a contingency plan about that? And I'm pretty sure there's like a a vampire tribe up in Alaska that they're friends with. They buddy about with them, Tanya and her clan. What do they do for the other half of the year? Again, I know that the sunlight doesn't kill them like it should. They just sparkle a little bit. So really, what's it all matter? But it it doesn't seem like a foolproof plan to go to somewhere that that's daylight for half the year. Oh, wait, isn't that what midnight sun actually is? They call it a midnight sun when it's daylight in Alaska at midnight. Oh, maybe maybe this does get brought up in like midnight sun, maybe. I don't know. I haven't I, I couldn't get past page 20 on that one. Maybe one day, but not today because oof. That book sucked. Anyway, where were we? She's going on about Alaska. And Angela's like, oh, I'll miss you when you're so far away. Make sure you email me, blah, blah, blah. And she says, if I can type again after this, I will. Which, hey, Bella, kind of funny. Bella's not often funny, but that was kind of funny. It's a well-trod joke at this point. I mean, Angela did say, oh, if you don't get permanent hand damage. So she set her up for the punchline, but at least Bella delivered the punchline. So that's great. So then they finish hours later, apparently. And Angela says, how's your hand? And she says, I think I'll recover the full use of it someday. (laughs) So she's just really going in hard on that punchline. You know, when a joke lands once and you're like, I'm going to say the same thing again with just synonyms. And she's doing that. She's doing that. And then Ben's back. He's back from the movie. So it's, it's been at least two and a half hours, maybe even more, depending on previews and end credit scenes and ads at the start of the movie. So let's say three hours. It's been at least three hours of her writing on envelopes. How does Angela know this many people? Like, I know she said she's got a big family, but even then, wouldn't you just like lump family groups together and be like, this set of cousins, here's your one invite. Or just say, hey, grandma, do you want to spread the news? Get a group chat. Like three hours on envelopes. How does she know this many people? So Ben comes in, he starts talking about how good the movie was. No one cares. So Bella's like, all right, I'm leaving. And she says, I was jumpy on the way out to my truck. So she's walking to her truck like she's in a horror movie. She's jumpy. She says, I spent the whole drive glancing anxiously in all my mirrors. She is a bundle of nerves because her boyfriend's a psycho. And his car's not out the side of her house. And she's like, that doesn't mean he's not here. (sighs) Oh, because he doesn't have boundaries. This is just so scary. Like who would have thought that the scariest thing about a book filled with vampires and werewolves would be a super clingy boyfriend. Terrifying. And so she has some small talk with Charlie, who's happy that she went and hung out with her friend Jacob. And then she's like, well, I better stop prolonging the inevitable. I'm in trouble. So she goes upstairs and Charlie says, see you later. And she thinks if I survive, like, okay. You shouldn't be going into a meeting with your boyfriend and thinking that maybe you'll be killed. Like when you're starting to have those thought patterns, maybe just like have an out of body experience and be like, wait a minute, that's not a normal reaction to seeing my boyfriend after I haven't seen him in a few days. It's very worrying. It's very concerning. 
And so she goes into her bedroom and yep, there he is standing against the wall across from her in the shadow beside the open window. Like, could he be creepier? Could he be creepier? Who's reading this book swooning at this point? And he's all tense and his face is hard and he's just glaring at her, not saying anything. She thinks he's too angry to speak. And she's like, um, hi. And he doesn't say anything. And she goes, so I'm still alive. Again, Bella with the jokes, she's trying to make light of the situation and ease the tension. But he's just not having a bar of it because he's still not saying anything. And then he's growling at her. He's, he's growling at her. Like that's not a metaphor. She says a growl rumbled low in his chest. He's acting like my dog when I go near his toys. And she's like, no harm done. And she's still shrugging and trying to make light of it. And then he moves and he pinches the bridge of his nose. Like, oh, so dramatic. Like, oh, I'm dealing with a child here. Well, actually you are. You're dealing with someone that's a hundred years younger than you. So maybe you shouldn't be dating her if you think she's being immature. Maybe this is on you, Edward, you old bastard. And he says, Bella, do you have any idea how close I came to crossing the line today? To breaking the treaty and coming after you? Oh God, this treaty again. And he says, do you know what that would have meant? So he's trying to guilt trip her for his potential actions. And instead of her being like, hey, don't blame me for your overreactions. She's like, You can't do that, Edward. Oh my God, war between the werewolves and the vampires. Don't break the treaty. Don't give them an excuse for a fight. This this is too crazy. Don't ever break the rules. And it's like, oh, calm down, sis. It was a hypothetical. He's trying to guilt trip and manipulate you and it's working. And she says, you made the treaty. You stick to it, (laughs) which is a great point. Why have a treaty if you're just gonna break the treaty? The purpose of a treaty is to keep it. And she says, Jacob isn't dangerous enough. And he says, Bella, you're not exactly the best judge of what is or isn't dangerous. Well, he he does have her there. She is an idiot. But I do sort of think like, what's what's the big deal with the werewolves? So yeah, one of them mauled his girlfriend, which is terrible. But other than that, like in traditional stories, werewolves would be feared because they kill people and bite people and turn them into other werewolves. But we don't have that here. They're just a bunch of like five larrikin guys who just like hanging out with each other and ripping up their shorts when they transform into big dogs. And then they go back to scarred Emily's ranch house and eat lots of eggs. Like it's not really that dangerous, especially when you compare them to vampires that actually eat people. But Bella obviously can't stand the space between them. So she takes a breath, she crosses the room and she gives him a hug, which he does not immediately return. And then she says, I'm sorry, I made you anxious. And he sighs and then he hugs her back and he says, anxious is a bit of an understatement. It was a very long day. Okay, how about the anxiety that he caused you? We're just not bringing that up, Bells. And she says, you weren't supposed to know about it. I thought you'd be hunting longer. He can read minds, Bella. I, uh, why is she forgetting that little detail? He, he can read minds. Of course, as soon as you left, he knew. He can't read your mind, but he can read Alice's. He can even read fucking Jacob's somehow. And he says, when Alice saw you disappear, I came back. And she's like, Ugh, what'd you do that for? Now you'll have to go away again. And she's frowning because he's like, oh, now he's going to be hungry uh, because he hasn't had this big hunting trip where he's just eating lots of animals. And he's like, oh, I can wait. And I'm like, bitch, go out and eat a squirrel. You don't need to eat mountain lions. That's just something you do for fun. Go out and eat a squirrel. Also, you run so fast. Why can't you just run a little bit north for like five minutes, get, it, get an animal, eat it, come back? I don't understand the, the need to go on full weekend along hunting trips. You're vampires. Like, oh, are there no animals around Forks, Washington? And so then they do fight. She's like, this can't happen again. And he's like, yeah, you bet it's not going to happen again because you're never going to go out with him again. And she says, no, you're not going to overreact next time. And he says, well, there's not going to be a next time. And she's like, oh, oh, there will be a next time. And he says, no, there won't. And she says, I'm not risking my life. He says, werewolves are a risk. And she says, no, they're not. And he says, I'm not arguing about this. And she says, well, either am I. Clearly you guys are arguing, but okay. And his hands are in fists. 
His hands were in fists. Not a good flag. Quite a red flag, actually. And she says, well, you know what? Is this actually about my safety or is this about Jacob? Well, she doesn't outright say Jacob. She says, is this something else? Some vampires and werewolves are always enemies nonsense. Is this just a testosterone fueled? And he cuts her off and he says, no, it's only about you and your safety. And she says, okay, I believe that. (laughs) That's a direct quote. Okay, I believe that. But she says, but you know what? When it comes to this enemies nonsense, I'm a neutral country. I'm Switzerland. I refuse to be affected by territorial disputes between mythical creatures. And yep, that's great for her to say. Her impartiality is never really going to happen in real life because she loves Edward more than she loves Jacob, but whatever. But she says, I don't care who's a werewolf and who's a vampire. If Angela turns out to be a witch, she can join the party too. Oh, I would love if Angela did turn out to be a witch. I mean, if she was, she could have done her graduation announcements with the flick of a wand, which would have been a lifesaver. Would have saved us a lot of jokes about sore hands. But sadly, she's not. And then he's crinkling up his nose and she's like, what? And he says, well, don't be offended, but you smell like a dog. Which is again, something that the vampires always say after she's hung out with Jacob and it's just, it's getting old because you know what? I like the smell of dog. Maybe not wet dog, but when my dog's just sitting with me on the couch, sometimes I'll catch a whiff and I'll be like, oh, you smell like a dog and it's kind of nice. Does that make me gross? Does that make me a weirdo? Maybe, but God damn it, I like the smell of dogs. And so we end that scene. She says, Edward has to make up for the missed hunting trip. And he's leaving now Friday night with Jasper, Emmett and Carlisle to hit some reserve in Northern California with a mountain lion problem. I don't understand. Have they ever thought about bringing a mountain lion back? Maybe taking a flask with them and filling it up for later? Like why must we have trips to Northern California? And I love how Edward's missing school and everyone's cool with it. They're like, oh yeah, the Cohens, they like to go hiking when it's sunny. Like, hey, maybe the board of studies should be keeping an eye on this because we've got a student who's not attending classes just to gallivant around. Like, it's not okay. And she says, we'd come to no agreement on the werewolf issues. But when she was left alone for a minute, she did call Jacob and said, I'll be coming over on Saturday. So she's just sneaking phone calls to a best friend when he's not looking. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. That's a major red flag. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And we skip the school week, which I love, I love, I love, I love. We're already at Thursday night. And there's Alice picking her up from work. And she's like, wait a minute. Why is Alice here? 
she gets in Alice's car, which even though Alice hasn't responded to her yet. And so she, she sits in the car and then Alice locks the doors and hits the gas. And then she says, wait a minute, what's going on? Where's Edward? This is why you try and get a response to your questions before you sit in the car. And she says, oh, they left early, but we're having a slumber party, just us girls. And she says, a slumber party? The suspicion finally settling in. Oh, she's, she's finally suspicious. How she wasn't suspicious earlier, I'm not too sure, but she's finally suspicious. And she says, oh, you're kidnapping me, aren't you? And Alice laughs. She says, yeah, I am. (laughs) Till Saturday. Esme cleared it with Charlie. You're staying with me two nights and I'll drive you to and from school tomorrow. Did anyone ask Bella if she wanted to be kidnapped? No, no. But Esme cleared it with Charlie. So, hey, everything's sorted. And they've gone into her house. They've packed her things. Like Bella did not have a choice in the matter at all, which I would not appreciate. No way. And like a two nights in a row slumber party. Nah, one night fun. But after that first night, I'm ready to go home to my own bed, my own shower and just relax. And Alice tells us that Edward paid her off. He's going to give her the Porsche, some sort of Porsche, just like the one she stole in Italy. If if she kidnaps Bella. Like, this is all just completely normal. Just very normal behavior. Also, Alice, like, aren't you rich as well? You're the one that predicts the stock trends. Just buy your own Porsche. Maybe you don't need to kidnap someone in exchange for a Porsche. Just go out and buy a Porsche. Go out and steal another Porsche. You've stolen a Porsche before, just steal another Porsche. And so Alice is like, look at the Porsche. It's pretty pretty, isn't it? And Bella's like pretty over the top. Oh, she's coming out with the jokes. And she says, he gave you that just for two days of holding me hostage. And Alice is like, "Mm." and Bella's like, oh God, it's not just for the two days, is it? It's for every time he's gone. And she's like, yeah. And she says, Alice, don't you think this is just a little bit controlling? Just a tiny bit psychotic, maybe? And I'm like, yes, finally, Bella, finally. And Alice says, nah, (laughs) you don't seem to grasp how dangerous a young werewolf can be. But no, let's go spend two nights in the house where you did almost die. Remember that? Remember when a vampire tried to kill you? It's totally safer here than with a werewolf. I don't understand. So Alice gives Bella a pedicure. Esme brought Italian food. They watch some movies. And she says, where am I even meant to sleep? And Alice says, well, you can sleep in Edward's room. And she's like, oh God, not a night on the couch. Oh, I don't want to have to have a night on the couch because remember they're vampires, they don't sleep, so they don't have beds because apparently they don't like ever to lie down. They never have sex, apparently. I don't understand. Well, maybe the other vampire couples actually have beds, but Edward never had a bed. Never saw the need for a bed. And so she says to Alice, can I borrow your phone? I've got some plans to cancel. And so she calls Jacob and he says, hey, Bella, what's up? And she says, nothing good. I can't come over Saturday after all. He's like, oh God, that's stupid, Edward. That's stupid, bloodsucker. Can't you have a life when he's gone or does he have you locked in a coffin? And she's like, yeah, you pretty much hit the nail on the head there, Jacob. And Jacob says, well, if we can't hang out tomorrow, maybe let's hang out tonight. I can come over to Charlie's. And she says, I wish I'm not at Charlie's. I'm kind of being held prisoner. And I was like, okay, Bella, why are you talking like this to Jacob who hates the vampires, is concerned for your welfare with the vampires and you're just saying, oh, I'm being held prisoner. Of course, that's going to get a reaction out of him. And he says, oh, okay, well, I'll come and get you. And she's like, nah, nah. So now she's got to downplay it. And she's like, it's been fun. I'm, I'm getting a pedicure. And she says, don't worry, I'll call you again another time. And he says, uh, are they even going to let you? And she's like, who knows? Night, Jake. Okay. She's calling herself Switzerland in this chapter, but clearly she should be calling herself Stockholm because she's got Stockholm syndrome. This is bizarre how she's just so resigned to her fate that she's being kidnapped. But she does call Edward. She leaves him a voicemail saying that he's in trouble. And so then Alice shows her to Edward's room, even though she knows where Edward's room is. And Alice opens the door and she says, oh my God, it's the exact same room, but the furniture's different. There's now a giant bed in the center of the room. And she says, what the hell is this? It's a bed, Bella. It's a bed. Isn't that what you wanted? You were just bitching about sleeping on the couch. Well, he got you a bed. And Alice even says, uh, you didn't really think he would make you sleep on the couch. And Bella, she's so annoyed. She just grumbles. She's like, and then she doesn't even want to sleep in the bed. 
So she like pulls the blanket and the pillow and she puts it on the couch and she's like, I'm going to sleep on the couch. Like, what? She says, Porsches as bribes and king-sized beds in houses where nobody slept. It was beyond irritating. Okay, yeah, you can be irritated, but I'd still sleep in the bed. And then there's a light knock at the door and she's like, oh God, Alice, what? But then Rosalie comes in and she's like, it's me. Can I come in? Even though she's already entering. And that's the end of the chapter. And so then we go to unhappy ending chapter seven and it's Rosalie. (laughs) We know. (laughs) And this whole chapter is just Rosalie telling a story, spinning a yarn. And she says, my stomach twisted nervously as the one Cullen who did not like me moved silently to sit down in the open space. And so Rosalie's like, sorry to interrupt. Don't really want to interfere, but here I go. I'm going to try and tell you why I think you should stay human or why I would stay human if I were you. And Bella's like, oh God, this old chestnut. Cause you know, Bella's hell bent on becoming a vampire, even though it may lead to her murdering people. It'll mean she never gets to eat chocolate or ice cream or donuts again because vampires don't eat human food. She'll never get to have children. She'll have to say goodbye to her family. She'll never be able to have a nap ever again, but she's hell bent on becoming a vampire and Rosalie's against it. Remember in New Moon when they all took a vote, (laughs) which was ridiculous. They all took a vote and Rosalie said, nah, nah. She voted against turning Bella into a vampire. And she says to Bella, did Edward ever tell you what led to this? And then she like gestures at her body. (laughs) And Bella's like, yeah, he said it was close to what happened to me that time in Port Angeles. Only no one was there to save you. And she's like, oh God, is that really all he told you? And she goes, oh, was there more? Like, yes, obviously there was more, Bella. Like your experience and hers obviously weren't the same. She did end up dying. And she says, would you like to hear my story, Bella? It doesn't have a happy ending. But which of ours does? If we had happy endings, we'd all be under gravestones now. I'm not sure that's the traditional definition of a happy ending. I I don't think a happy ending means death. But Bella nods. She's like, yep, I get it. I get it. And so Rosalie tells us, my life was perfect. It was 1933. I was 18 and I was beautiful. So that's all you'd need. She says, my parents were middle class. My dad had a stable job in the bank. She's like, yeah, there there might've been poor people around when the depression hit. But other than that, I wasn't really that affected. My life was beautiful. 1933, nothing wrong with it. And she was so thrilled that she was beautiful. I was thrilled to be me, to be Rosalie Hale. I knew what I wanted out of life and there didn't seem to be any way that I wouldn't get exactly what I wanted. I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be adored. I wanted to have a huge flowery wedding. I wanted people to think I was the most beautiful thing they'd ever seen. Admiration was like air to me. She says, I was silly and shallow, but I was content. And she says, but my best friend Vera, she did get married young at 17. She married a man. They had a baby, a beautiful little boy with dimples and curly black hair. And it was the first time I'd ever felt jealous of anyone in my entire life. God, this is a boring story. Like, okay, little Miss Privilege. She's like, oh, it was 1933. There was nothing wrong with the world. I was pretty and that was all that mattered. And Bella cuts in with some narration. She says, it was hard for me to imagine the world that Rosalie had known. What? Hard for you to imagine? It was the 1930s. It's, it's not that long ago. Was that like 70 years from when Twilight set? Have you not seen any movies? Have you not read any books? Like 1933, The Wizard of Oz came out six years later. She's not talking like 1538. So hard for me to imagine 1933. Read a book. She says her story sounded more like a fairy tale than history to me. <laughs> yeah, maybe because she's leaving out the poverty and the racism and the depression and the war. <laughs> of course it sounds like a fairy tale. And she says, oh, actually this would have been like close to the time that Edward was alive. This was probably the world he grew up in. I wondered if my world seemed as baffling to him as Rosalie's did to me. No, no, I don't think your world seems baffling to Edward because he's in it. He's, he's lived this whole time. He has a wall of CDs. Of course he's not baffled by 2007. Maybe if he was in a time machine from then to now, yeah, you would be a bit confused. But, but he lived this whole time, Bella. And so Rosalie says in Rochester, there was this one royal family, the Kings, ironically enough. Okay, I want it to be known that they're not actually a, a royal family. Their surname is just King and they own the bank that her father worked at. They're not actual royalty. 
They're just like social royalty, just to make that clear. And King just happens to be their surname. As it is for a lot of people. But she says it's ironic that their surname was King and people thought they were Kings. Like, what? That does Okay. And so Royce King II, the son, he took an interest in Rosalie. And so her family, they were social climbers. And so they tried to like get Rosalie in with the Kings. And so then Royce started sending her flowers, started courting her. And she was happy. Her parents were happy. Everyone was happy. She said, the fairy tale prince had come to make me a princess. Well, I'll repeat, they're not actual royalty. You would not have been a princess. Just so we're clear. So she says she'd known him for two months and they were engaged. Plans went ahead for a wedding. She was no longer jealous of Vera and her little kid because she just figured that she'd have kids of her own. And you can tell she was sort of not super passionate with Royce, but she didn't care. She said, Royce was my prince. Someday I would be a queen. Again, no. No, just because your surname's a king doesn't mean you'll be a queen. That, uh, that doesn't make sense. And so she's walking home from Vera's one night and she's all alone. It's dark in the streets. And so then she runs across a cluster of men under a broken street lamp and they're laughing and they're drunk and she's starting to feel a bit nervous and scared. And then one of them's Royce. And Royce is like, oh, here's my Rose. And he says, what did I tell you guys? Isn't she lovely? And this one guy is like, it's hard to tell. She's all covered up. And then they start, they start attacking and gang raping her. So it's awful, completely, completely awful. And she says that they seem to enjoy the sound of her pain. And that's sort of all she tells us because she says, I won't make you listen to the rest, Bella. But they left me in the street laughing as they stumbled away. They thought I was dead. And they were teasing Royce that he would have to find a new bride. And he laughed and said he'd have to learn some patience first. And she waited in the road to die. So super fucking grim. And then Carlisle finds her. He had smelled the blood and came to investigate. And she says she remembered being vaguely irritated that that Carlisle was there. She said, I never liked Dr. Cullen or his wife and her brother because Edward was pretending to be Esme's brother. It had upset me that they were all more beautiful than I was, especially that the men were. So even though vampires are intrinsically appealing to their prey. Didn't work on Rosalie, apparently. She says, I thought I died, but then they sped me to somewhere else. I felt like I was flying. Then I was in a bright room. She says something sharp was cutting me, my throat, my wrists, my ankles. I was screaming in shock. The fire burned through me. Doesn't sound pretty, the whole turning into a vampire process, but again, Bella can't wait. When Esme and Edward returned, she begged them to kill her. Oh, all very grim. Very, very grim. And she's also eavesdropping into this conversation while she's turning into a vampire. (laughs) Because Edward and Carlisle and Esme are all having a chat like she can't hear. And Edward's like, oh God, what are you thinking, Carlisle? Rosalie Hale, this bitch? We don't, we don't, we don't want her in the family kind of a thing. And Carlisle's like, well, I couldn't just let her die. Well, yeah, you could have Carlisle actually, but no. Carla says it was too much waste. I couldn't leave her. Okay. And then Esme's like, yeah, that makes sense. And Edward's like, oh my God, but people die all the time. She's too recognizable. The Kings will put a search out. Oh, geez, we're going to have to move. So Edward doesn't really care about this human being that's dying in front of him. He's like, oh God, we have to move. Oh, we just got to Rochester like two years ago. Oh, just set down roots. I finally unpacked all my books and put them into my bookshelf and now I've got to pack again and move. Oh God, such, such a struggle. And she says, I didn't realize that it was almost over, that I was getting stronger and that's why I was able to concentrate on what they were saying. So she said she was only able to eavesdrop on that conversation because the change was almost over. But I think the change takes like three days or something apparently. So why Edward, Esme and Carlisle are having this conversation three days after a dead bitch has been dragged into the house. Like, I I don't know. Anyway, the pain ends. She wakes up, she's a vampire and they explain that she was a vampire. And apparently she doesn't get that newborn bloodlust thing. So I know we all bitch about Bella sort of getting off without consequences by in Breaking Dawn becoming a vampire and not having the bloodlust, but I guess it happened to Rosalie too. So who knows? Oh, and also she looked in the mirror and she was like, damn, I'm fine. And that made her feel a bit better about being dead. (laughs) Classic Rose. I think Rose is actually becoming one of my favorite characters because she's a bloody hoot. Very relatable. 
And she says, you know, my record is almost as clean as Carlisle's. Better than Esme, a thousand times better than Edward. I've never actually tasted human blood. And I'm like, yeah, good for you, babe. But Bella has a puzzled expression being like, what do you mean almost as clean? And then she says, well, (laughs) I did murder five humans, but I was very careful not to spill their blood. I knew I wouldn't be able to resist that and I didn't want any part of them in me. I saved Royce for last. I hoped that he would hear of his friend's deaths and understand, know what was coming for him. I hoped the fear would make the end worse for him. And she says, I think it worked. He was hiding inside a windowless room behind a door as thick as a bank vaults, guarded outside by armed men when I caught up with him. Whoops, actually seven murders. (laughs) She says, I forgot about his guards. (laughs) So she just forgot she killed two other people. She's like, actually, you know what? I've killed seven. Ah, what's, what's seven people? And she says, I was overly theatrical. It was kind of childish, really. I wore a wedding dress I'd stolen for the occasion. I mean, that's camp. I, I, I really admire her commitment to theatricality there because that is just camp. I would watch a prequel about Rosalie just killing these guys like that. See how I said watch instead of read because I don't want to be in Stephanie Meyer's <laughs> voice anymore. Um, but yeah, I would really enjoy watching that. Team Rose all the way. And so while she was like laughing off the two guards that she killed, she was like, oh, wait a minute. Sorry, um, am I frightening you? And Bella's like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> And she says, you know what? I'm surprised Edward didn't tell you actually. And Bella's like, yeah, he doesn't actually like telling other people's stories. Or maybe he just likes to keep you in the dark because information is power, but whatever. And she says, well, I haven't really been fair to you, Bella. Did Edward ever tell you why? And she says, well, you know what? It's a bit embarrassing, but at first I was jealous of you because he wanted you and not me. This shallow bitch, she was just telling us, like I didn't read it all out because I'm skipping over bits because honestly boring. But at one point she did say that she started to blame her beauty for her predicament, being gang raped by those five guys on the street, including her fiance. Like that's, that's not your beauty's fault, but she did start to internalize some guilt about it and resent being beautiful. And then she's telling us, oh, I was actually kind of a bit jealous that he was turned on by you, Bella, you basic ass bitch compared to me. So it's like, okay, which is it? Which is it, Rose? You're still my favorite, but which is it? And Bella's like, but you have Emmett. Like, why do you care if Edward thinks I'm pretty? And she says, oh, it's not about wanting Edward that way. It's just, he's so irritating. (laughs) And I was used to people wanting me and Edward wasn't interested and it frustrated me and offended me. But then when he never wanted anyone, it didn't really even bother me. But then he showed interest in you, in you. You boring, pale, bland brunette. And then she's like, oh, actually, um, not that you aren't pretty, Bella, <laughs> but I'm just vain enough that I minded that he found you more attractive than me. Which, oh my God, Stephanie, 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 you just build up this character with like an actually interesting backstory. You were giving Rosalie some shades. You were giving her a different journey, a different perspective. There was like a smidgen of conflict between her and Bella. But now you've just reduced her to being like, I was jealous that my brother loved you more than me. (laughs) Oh, well, was more attracted to you than me. Like she sort of destroyed Rose's character there after she built it up. I don't know, to have that be the reason why Rosalie hates Bella, it's a bit yuck. And Bella's like, oh no, but you're the most beautiful person on the planet. That's Bella's like first thing that she says. And it's like, you know, you could have said, so sorry that happened to you, by the way, when you got gang raped and murdered on the street by your fiance and were turned into a vampire against your will. Like, so sorry about that, but also you're super pretty. Like maybe, maybe sandwich it with some sympathy, but we're always focusing on the physical here, aren't we? And Rosalie says, thanks Bella, but I'm, you know, I'm not that bothered by it anymore. And Bella says, but you still don't like me. Again, back to Bella. And she says, yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) Which is just a fantastic response. Rose isn't even gonna pretend Like, oh, no, no, yeah, I do like you. She's like, yeah, no, don't. And then they're silent for a few moments and she's like, okay, um, why don't you like me? Uh, did, did I happen to do something? And she says, no, you've not done anything yet, but don't you see, Bella, you have everything. You have your whole life ahead of you, everything I've wanted, and you're just throwing it away. I'd trade everything I have to be you. You have the choice that I didn't have and you're choosing wrong. And she's getting heated up. She's angry. And I, I agree with her. I'd be angry too, because Bella's being the biggest dum-dum by just throwing her life away. 
I mean, I would probably do the same. <laughs> if someone said to me, here's eternal life, but you can't have kids, I'd say, sign me up. So I can't resent it too much, but I do get where Rosalie's coming from. And Bella says, would you like me better if I chose to stay human? And she says, maybe. <laughs> She's not given her anything. And Bella's like, well, you did get some of your happy ending though. You got Emmett because for Bella, ending up with a boyfriend, like that's the pinnacle of life goals. You're not complete unless you have a boyfriend. And Rosalie's like, yeah, well, I got Emmett, but I only got half my happy ending because no kids. And she says the only reason she really saved Emmett was because with his dark curls and his dimples, she was reminded of that kid, Vera's kid, Henry. And so she didn't want him to die because he looked like that baby that she once knew. (laughs) If it weren't for that passing resemblance to a a newborn baby, she would have walked right past, let Emmett get mauled by that bear. (laughs) She would have said, none of my business. But because he had dark hair and dimples, she said, fine, I'll step in. And she says, yeah, the whole Emmett thing, that worked out perfectly, better than I could have ever have hoped. But there will never be more than the two of us and I'll never sit on a porch somewhere with him grey-haired by my side, surrounded by our grandchildren. Okay, maybe adopt then. I don't know, I'm just spitballing here. Esme adopted you all as kids, like maybe you could do that. It's probably not ethical, but just find a, find a random baby, turn it into a vampire like Bob's your uncle. I guess she wouldn't do that morally, but like, you know, there's no bad ideas in a brainstorm. And so then she says to Bella, oh, you're too young to know what you'll want in 10 years, 15 years. You're too young to give it all up without thinking through. And then she pats Bella on the head. (laughs) And Bella says, the gesture didn't feel condescending, but I I think it is condescending to pat someone on the head. I mean, come on, Queen Rose. She's so shady. I love it. So then Rose is like, okay, well, now you know, I'll, I'll try and behave myself from now on. And so then she walks out and she's like, good night, Bella. <laughs> and, and she's like, okay, well, good night, Rosalie. Just really just ending that conversation. She says, we weren't friends yet, but I was pretty sure she wouldn't always hate me so much. Well, I don't know about that. So then she falls asleep. She has some sort of nightmare. Who cares? The next morning, Alice drives her to school. Then she's trudging off to English because she's always trudging. And she's just sulking around because Edward's not there to cheer her up. Again, because he's not going to school. He's never at school. He has the worst attendance. I don't know how the government's not like freaking out about this kid that's just never at school. Surely, surely someone's keeping tabs on that. But no, no, he's he's off hiking. He's got a whole pass to go hiking. And even Mike's shooting his shot. He's like, oh, Edward's not around. You want to hang out tonight? And she says, no, I got a slumber party. And he's like, okay. Way to be all Debbie Downer about it. And then there's a big roar outside of the high school. And I'm like, oh my God, finally something's happening. A roar, what is it? Is it a werewolf? Is it a giant bear? Is it the Volturi? Nah, it's just Jacob on a motorcycle, but still I'll take it. And so Jacob's shouting out and he's like, Bella, Bella, run. And she's like, ah, he's gonna pick me up and we're gonna play hooky. So she says to Mike, tell people I got sick and went home, okay? I'm like, what, can't, can't people hear Jacob shouting out? She said there was a loud growling roar erupted from behind us in the parking lot. Everyone on the sidewalk turned to look, staring in disbelief as the noisy black motorcycle screeched to a stop on the edge of the concrete, the engine still snarling. And then he's shouting out, run, Bella, 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 come over here. And now she's like, I'll tell people I got sick. I think I think people will know you weren't sick, Bella. Like you're, you're clearly just getting picked up by a bikey to go and play hooky. No one's believing that you came down with the flu. And Mike says, fine, I'll, I'll tell people you were sick. And then she pecks him on the cheek and she says, I owe you one. Ooh, I, I don't know if I'd be doing that, especially when your boyfriend's nuts. He's a jealous, possessive monster. You can bet that's going to come up again. If Stephanie remembers that she wrote it. And so she jumps on the back of Jake's motorbike. She looks over and she can see Alice frozen at the edge of the cafeteria. It's just her eyes sparkling with fury. And she's like, "Mm, sorry, laters, bitch. And so then they ride off. And so they obviously get past the treaty line, the very important treaty boundary line. And he says, we made it. Not bad for a prison break, eh? And she says, good thinking, Jake. (laughs) Good thinking, Jake. This is an 18 year old girl. This dialogue. 
And he says, I remembered what you said about the psychic leech not being able to predict what I'm going to do. Well, I'm glad you didn't think of this. She would never have let you go to school. And she says, that's why I didn't consider it. Okay, but the mere act of thinking about not thinking it means that you were thinking it, right? Like, oh God, to actively not consider something means that you're... Oh God, that's the end of the chapter. Like my mind just exploded and it's the end of the chapter. Thank God, thank God. Just the logic in these books sometimes, especially to do with Alice, just takes such a mental toll on me that I needed, I didn't shake it off. So I'm going to say goodbye. Thanks for listening. Ratings and reviews, always appreciated. Thank you to everyone who has done that. And if you're just listening and haven't subscribed, please do so. That would also be really helpful for the algorithm and all the bullshit around podcast distribution. I don't understand it. I've only been doing this for like a year and a half, but I don't understand it. So I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. ...down bad books. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. 